honestly, it's much worse to not take the risk and have the opportunity sitting there and just make nothing of it because the opportunity cost is so huge. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 12 of Improv is No Joke podcast. Peter Margaritas here, and thank you very much for tuning in today. Today's guest is Brett Johnson, who's the Director of Channel Management and Development at the American Institute of CPAs. I met Brett at the Northeast CPE Conference in 2014. I was presenting a breakout session titled, How to Dump Sally and Find a New Creative Way. In all of my courses, I introduced the concept of yes and, along with the principles of improvisation. Brett came up to me after my session and told me that his son is on an improv team at his middle school in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I was blown away. What a wonderful idea in introducing improv at such a young age. Of course, I sent Brett a copy of my book to share with his son. We do discuss his son and his improv team in this interview. I challenge you during this interview to see if you can write down three key points that we discuss that you can begin to use to become a better improviser in work and in life. But before we get to the interview with Brett, I'd like to share with you a review that I received on iTunes from Janice Cohen, the intuitive therapist. And Janice wrote, as an intuitive therapist, I know how valuable it is to form meaningful connections with others to do effective work and facilitate lasting change. I could never be half as effective as I've been in my career if my clients didn't feel that they knew me, liked me, and trusted me. The minute they relax their guard with me is when I can do my best work with them. After listening to the interview with Mike Scorantino, I felt confirmed about how I conduct my business with my clients. It also confirmed for me that practicing gratitude for both my blessings and the blessings that others bring to me has a great impact on how I serve others. To have a successful business of any kind means that you understand what your client needs, wants, and ideal goals are, and that you have the skills, strategies, and techniques to help some to massively improve the quality of their lives. Peter's done an amazing job bringing current leaders of change in business into the forefront for all of us to benefit from. Regardless of the profession that you're in, the content offered in the Improv is No Joke podcast can be pervasively applied. I highly recommend listening to all of them. We all have to think on our toes and problem solve. Why try to recreate the wheel when you can learn from those who've been there and done that? Great job and well worth listening to. Well, Janice, I can't thank you enough for such a wonderful review on my podcast. If you've been listening to the podcast, I would greatly appreciate if you take a moment and write a review. It'll help the podcast bring greater visibility in the iTunes community. And if you haven't signed up for the SN Challenge, 
please go to my website, petermargaritas.com, and scroll down to the Yes and Challenge call to action and click to register to begin building an effective habit of Yes and and the principles of improvisation. And remember to share your experiences on Twitter using the hashtag YesAndChallenge or on the Accidental Accountant's Facebook page. As a little extra incentive to sign up for the YesAnd Challenge, anyone who signs up from Monday, August 22nd through August 28th, I will email you a PDF version of my book, Improv is No Joke, for free. Now, if you're unsure what the YesAnd Challenge is all about, please go back and listen to episode zero. This is where I discuss the YesAnd Challenge in more detail. This week, I'd like to share with you an episode from The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and his guest is the very funny Keegan-Michael Key, who is starring in a movie called Don't Think Twice. Stephen and Keegan-Michael started a discussion about the premise of the movie, which is based on improv, and Keegan-Michael makes this statement. Every rule in improv is the exact opposite of show business. It's a wonderful and funny interview about the principles of improvisation and yes, and. When you watch this clip, listen to the conversation between Stephen and Keegan-Michael and think how this can be applied in business and in real life. I'll put a link to the clip in the show notes. Let's see. Short introduction to Brett Johnson. Check. Read Janice Cohen's iTunes review. Check. Talk about the SN Challenge. Check. Free PDF book offer for signing up for the SN Challenge. Check. Every rule of improv is the exact opposite of show business. Clip of Stephen Colbert and Keegan-Michael Key. Check. Well, the checklist is completed, so let's get to the interview with Brett Johnson. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm excited today to have as my guest, Brett Johnson from the AICPA. And first and foremost, thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule. I greatly appreciate you uh, participating in my podcast. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. I'm glad I could, uh, could make the time today. This, your book has been uh, a real inspiration for me. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, before we go into our conversation, let's tell the audience a little bit about yourself. What do you do at the ACP? A little bit about your background and just run from that. Sure. Um, I'm the Director of Channel Management and Development at the AICPA. Um, it's a position that's been um, around uh, since I got here. So it's a, a little more than two years or two years and a couple of months. Um, I've uh, This is basically what I've been doing for the last 15 to 20 years of my career, I do partnerships and um, business development, especially in, in learning, in the learning space. The, the AICPA was looking for a way to kind of get, get content out and, you know, uh, help the profession more. And um, that's what I've been brought on board to do. What areas have you tried to get this learning out and you're partnering with? Are you partnering with state societies? Are you partnering with other large organizations that might need this type of content? Yeah, um, partnering with state societies, partnering with fir the firms themselves to get, get our content out. You know, sometimes we built a not-for-profit certificate that has a lot of um, application or interest in the um, not-for-profits themselves, you know, so it's something that has actually turned into some customer education. So it's kind of looking for the different routes to market, working with um, publishers, my team does everything from licensing to, you know, the, the classic um, state society channel relationships and, and taking those and expanding them. It's been a lot of fun. I have to admit, it's, it's, it's 
a lot more complicated than what I thought getting in. And um, that keeps me engaged. Why is it more complicated? There are just a lot more players out there than I, than I knew. There are there's a pretty diverse uh, group of learners. You know, I coming I came from the IT space. I did partnerships with IBM and VMware and Cisco and Red Hat, folks like that. And there are a lot of younger learners there. You know, you have a lot of different learning styles and and a lot of different competitors. And there's the the compliance factor as well. It's just it's just different. So, um, but different in a good way. And do you, are you focusing more on the technical side of the accounting profession? Are you bringing in any of the leadership or, or the interpersonal soft skill side of it? So it's all of it. Yeah, it's, it's anything that we create in member learning and competency. My uh, team uh, helps to take out the market. What, what's your biggest challenge in your job? Probably that internal education that we've talked about. There's a certain amount of fear when it comes to working with partners. Um, you know, you have to trust. You have to um, take a bit of a leap of faith. And then there's just understanding that that operating, doing business in a different way requires um, flexibility. It requires um, forgiveness. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, it, I, I would say it's just that sort of that internal education because there are folks externally who've done this a lot more than, than we have, and it makes it makes sense to them. They have established programs that we, you know, where some people that we might work with, but there aren't a lot of channel professionals here uh, or people who have had this experience. Fortunately, my, my boss has had um, a lot of it, and she understands it. So that's been a real blessing. Because well, as I hear you describe this, with with the because um, they brought you on and basically created this position. So and I think of any time creating a new position, creating maybe a new department, a new, new initiative, a failure is, is an option because we're not going to always get it right. Right, right. We fail a lot. We've composted some really good failures. <laughs> um, <laughs> composted, I like that. <laughs> yeah, we, we've done that and, um, and we expect that. And, uh, and that's kind of the culture that I've come from. It's sort of that expectation. And, and really, even though channels as a practice has been around a long time, um, in a lot of cases, it's sort of a little incubator inside of different organizations. So you'd say I'm in constant startup mode. I, I would find that exciting. Uh, I would find that if I'm in constant, well, I feel like my business is in constant startup mode. Uh, but yeah, you have to allow yourself, you have to take risks and you have to allow yourself to fail and learn from that failure and move forward. And I, and that's good. And that's, you know, being a member of the AICPA and also teaching for the AICPA, uh, a couple of courses, I like the fact that they're allowing you to fail in order to create something new because the AICPA has been around a long time. And when we think about the members of the AICPA and accountants in general, uh, I think a lot of times failure is not an option. Uh, but it really should be an option to learn from because the only way you grow is by taking risks. And accountants and CPAs tend to be more risk adverse uh, than taking risks as a general kind of overall umbrella. Yeah, no, I definitely get that sense. There, there are plenty of times when um, I feel like we're out in front going, woohoo, let's, you know, take some risks. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's um, crash and burn. And, um, and then you, I kind of look behind, and there, you know, some people are kind of, you know, white knuckle holding on as we as we go. But um, 
there there are some people who it's just it's in their DNA and they really enjoy it too. So that's that's good. So how do you ease uh, those individuals off the ledge per se when they're white knuckling it while you're out there, you know, going woohoo? Yeah, I think it's um it's maybe publicly composting your failures um, and making everybody see that it's okay. Um, it, it's just much worse. It's honestly, it's much worse to not take the risk and have the opportunity sitting there and just make nothing of it because the opportunity cost is so huge. So I think, you know, letting them see when it, when you fail, you learn, when you, um, when you learn, you take those learnings, you apply them to the next thing that you do. And then it's a success or it's a, a, you know, it's another step along the road to figuring out, um, something new. But what would you, would you agree with the statement that when we allow our, our people to take risks and we support those risks, we have a much more energized, motivated, uh, excited uh, uh, group than ones who are extremely nervous about making any type of decisions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's so much more exciting to be in that kind of environment. You don't want people walking around afraid of what they're going to step on or step in. And um, honestly, I couldn't have been here for two years if, if more and more people, if it didn't seem like people were um, embracing risk more. And, and the profession deserves it at this point. You know, there's so much change going on. We can't sit back and wait. We just can't do it. You're right. And actually, I just saw something that uh, Barry Melanson said about the accounting profession, that the classrooms are full, coming out. But you know what? If you're not ready to adapt and make change uh, in the way you do business, um, you might as well get out of the profession or something along those lines. Yeah, he's a smart man. I mean, um, you know, in the way that technology is changing business across the board, um, you know, we all have to continuously adapt and continue to learn and I think it's even more so important for the for, for the accounting profession. Yeah, I, I do too. I'm a, I'm a big believer that we need to we we can't do business the way we did in 1990, 1995, and 2016. And, and you know, just I will also say that continuing education within our profession also really needs to change uh, because we're teaching and doing the same way we did in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And we have to morph out of that and, and create dynamic classrooms, no matter if it's technical or, or leadership, where there is learning. And, and, and the attendee is not there just checking that box going, okay, I got my 40. And, and I just think, you got your 40, and I believe it's the container store put their employees through the first year over 100 hours of continuing education. Uh, and I interviewed Ed Mendelowitz from uh, Witham Smith & Brown, and he says, oh, I get over 100, 110 hours every year in CP because I love to learn. So that's a, that's a difference between learning and compliance. Right, right, absolutely. It's a, it's, it's, they couldn't be more different, right? Because learning, you're exploring compliance, you're following a set path. And and I think in compliance, since I'm 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 doing this path, I'm not there to learn. I I tend to bring an agenda to maybe a, a course, and I'm not fully engaged. I'm this there to get my hours, and I'm not saying this is everybody. I'm just saying this it's it's out there. Versus coming in with the attitude that you know what, who knows what I can pick up out of this day. I'll be completely focused within this course and give the instructor the benefit of the doubt, and, and let's just see what could happen. Right, right. 
Yeah, I mean, the time is going to pass a lot more quickly if you get in there and, and decide to engage, too. So if you want to be completely mercenary about it, and I've got to tick off these hours, you go in there and you engage, it's going to, you know, the, the 40 is going to seem like 20. Um, if you go in there and you drag it out here and, you know, and it is about checking that box, that 40 can seem like 80. You yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. The, the, the hundred for, uh, for Bob, um, probably feels to him like 10, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, it, it was Ed, uh, uh, Mendelowitz. Yeah. But he, he was also, he also said something that, I, I love because I, I, I tell my classrooms the same thing. Some of the best, the best place to network is in class. Yeah. And a lot of our, our, my colleagues, or my attendees look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, why should I, why should I, I know enough CPAs. No, you never know enough CPAs because if you think about it this way, you're looking at one person. I'm looking at you, Brent, but I know there's at least 400 people behind you that I don't know that maybe you, there's a way that we can help each other that way. Um, and it's a, it's a great place to network and it helped to grow our business because one of the best ways of marketing is through referrals. Well, and, and um, having that direct contact with your peers when you have a problem, I, I have a, a close network of 12, 15 people who I go to when I have problems that I met through different networking events that I, I have to solve. That's how I learn and solve, you know, um, some of the challenges that I face and I, I wouldn't have met them otherwise. And networking being that we met at the Northeast state CPE conference back in February of 2014. Yeah. I was doing a presentation on how to dump Sally same as last year and find a new creative way. And I, in any course that I do, I always bring the essence of the principles of improvisation and yes, and, and you came, we had never met. You came up to me afterwards and was telling me, well, why don't you share that story? Yeah, uh, my son is on the uh, middle school improv team in Chapel Hill. Um, we actually spend a lot of time at DSI Theater. We go down and, and watch the family shows together. And not only that, but I had, and, and actually now that we talked about this before, I remember it was before I actually started the job, I talked to um, Robbie Wiggins, who was one of the, the guys there at DSI. And he was a CPA and I thought he was a, a really engaging guy. So we, you know, we had a lot kind of going on there with um, my son being on that team. And then also Robbie um, uh, having been a, or who was a CPA. So um, it made me want to come up and talk to you. But on top of that, your presentation was really engaging. So, um, you know, that, that helped. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, and I told you that I would send you a book, and, and I, I did. And I believe you commented to me at some point, uh, I believe it was in LinkedIn, that that you really enjoyed reading my book. You hadn't, I think you made a comment. I haven't read it all, but the parts that I've read I've enjoyed, and I, I've kept it in my office as a reminder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first time I, I read it, I realized that, you know, I, I use a lot of these principles. I use yes and in how I develop relationships. Um, and what I had been doing is kind of taking that skill and maybe putting it aside in some other aspects of my life that I could actually apply it. And so I've started to do that, you know, especially more internally and with my, you know, with my family and, and some of my personal relationships. Um, it, just, it makes a big difference. 
And we were talking beforehand, you, you said that you've been able to use this uh, a, a, with your job, but you also made a comment about politics. Yeah, well, I just, internal politics. Yeah, office politics. Can you can you share something about, yeah, not, not presidential <laughs> politics in this election year? I don't know which is more of the, the, um, the third rail, but the, uh, you know, just there are, there are agendas and, you know, it, it helps you to understand what others are trying to accomplish because, you know, that's a, a listening skill. And, and, um, by, by agreeing, by using yes and, you're more likely to, you're not even really playing politics. You're, you are digging in and collaborating and, um, it, it kind of puts politics aside. So it's not so much that you're better at playing politics, it's that you're, you're kind of getting around them by, by making them unnecessary. You said the word collaboration, and I just made a note that that was one of the core competencies that came out of the uh, ASCPA uh, Horizons 2025 project, the ability to collaborate, the ability to communicate, leadership skills, critical thinking skills. And, and I believe that we, yes and does not always agree. It's not about – it's about agreement, not about agreeing. It's okay right. to say no, but you're allowing yourself to live in that person's – reality for just that brief moment to gain a better understanding. Uh, but I think the big, biggest challenge with that is we're all busy. And, and I think a lot of times I, it's like, I've got this agenda, I've got a meeting to get to, I'm not going to take the time to listen and I'm just going to push it down. But there are, you know, the ramifications from that type of dialogue. That sort of one-sided not dialogue, you know, you push it down, it pushes back up. You know, it, it, you, you kind of have to take the time, and there, you know, um, I think it, it it's important when you have something that you need to accomplish to be as straightforward as possible about it. But it's also important to to be ready to listen and to be to be ready to talk about it. You know, you can end up stuck in the mud and just feel like you're getting something done and you're not. <laughs> True. So I, I think I'm getting something done, but my wheels are just spinning. Uh, can you share maybe a, a specific example on how you've been able to use some of uh, of what came out of my book and and daily practice and, and and what effect it had on on whether a relationship that you were trying to build an issue that maybe you were having with uh, an associate or um, an essence of creativity? Well, creativity. I mean, it, it, it's the practice and building relationships and building partnerships. I mean, that it's the creative process because you go in and, and you can't really go in with a set expectation and you, you can have points kind of like setting up a game for improv you can have but um you can't go in thinking you know how the story is going to go or it's going to not fit the the, the dialogue right, right. Uh, it, it's just like when you, you're talking about um salespeople and good salespeople in your book and um, you know, consultative salespeople—they're going in and they're listening, and you're you're sort of developing this story with um, the person that you're talking to, and it's very much the same thing in a in a good um, biz dev discussion about partners. So I, I think it, you know I apply it that way all the time, um, and and that's kind of one of the fun things is you go into a discussion with someone, and you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where the, the characters are going to take the book. And then when you're done, it's something really unique. I think this, as, as it relates to creativity and building relationships and partnerships, uh, 
with with organizations with people it's the ability to walk into something really with nothing but through dialogue and discussion and generating ideas to walk out with oh my god I, we would have never got this but you have to um be willing to fail give a bad idea uh in order to help uh create something out of it and and you have to you have to be able to accept that there's some risk in doing that yeah, absolutely. But it, like I said, it's. I think it's the funnest thing when I can when I can think something up in my head, partner with somebody, get their ideas, listen, and, and walk away with. It's not exactly what I first started out thinking it was going to be, but wow, what this thing turned into be was pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting that I've got that I've gotten to this. You know, you're an accidental accountant. I'm an accidental, whatever it is that I am. It was an accident. <laughs> my mom will confirm that. <laughs> but, you know, the, um, my, my background, um, I was a creative writing major in, in college or English major that took a lot of creative writing classes. And um, I got out and that qualified me to work in a pig processing plant. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it, I feel like I've, I have built up these unique, experiences that make me more prepared to go in and not know where the story is going to go. A little background. My very first job was in hot dog quality control, but then <laughs> I taught English abroad and then I ran a psychic hotline. So I did all these really fun, sexy things before I got into my business career. Um, and those are still the things I, I talk about when I make cocktail parties, but um, it's really the fuel that helps the creative process when you're doing partnerships. Uh, what hotline again? A psychic hotline. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was a, a, a business manager. I ran an office and managed psychics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I bet you've got a thousand stories from that. I do. I, <laughs> it was uh, it was a, an adventure. It was a lot of fun. But that was a great learning environment for later on to end up what you're doing. I mean, I did in your background. You've got a lot of relationship building sales in the organizations that you've been in. And clearly you've been very successful at, at, at doing that and maintaining that and, and, and driving it to the next level. Because quite frankly, I don't, whatever business that we're in, whether we're a CPA, whether an engineer, whether we're a lawyer or, or whomever, we're in the relationship building business first and foremost. And building strong relationships help with having a strong workforce as well as a, a, a strong customer client base. Absolutely. Yeah. Up and down the line, you know, um, strong relationships with your peers, strong relationships with your team, with your customers, with your partners. Um, it, it opens people up to, the process of sharing, right? And um, yeah, so yeah, being it, having that experience with the psychics made a big difference. I'm glad when we were doing this, you didn't say, by the way, Pete, I, your voice sounds very familiar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a riot. <laughs> yeah, um, that would, well, I didn't talk to, I, well, had you been a psychic, yeah, I might have talked to you. I didn't talk to the, the customers very much. But um, I did. I did spend some time talking to the psychic. Uh, that, that was a very strange time for me because you know it was. Um, I had just moved to North Carolina. I was in a band, and I really needed a job. So because music wasn't going to pay the bills. But I, I'm really glad I, I I took that chance. 
what 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 do you play? What instrument? Uh, I used to play guitar. Right now, I don't really do anything with it. I'm gonna ask why. Well, I mean it. It was um, it was another one of those situations where it was about the relationships, and um, in that case, I glommed onto somebody else's talent. And what I did was went out and get booked the gigs and things like that. And um, the guy who uh, wrote all the music, he taught me to play guitar so that we could um, go out and play. So I, I'm not as I'm not gifted musically. I, I'm okay. It's one of those things. You're good enough to know that you're not great, so it's torturous. <laughs> but you, you can at least be realistic uh, with your expectations. Uh, okay, so I can relate to that being a frustrated stand-up comic. I, if I was great, we would we wouldn't be having this type of conversation on a podcast. Uh, but I know that I do have comedic chops, and yeah, I, I get I get the frustration level. Uh, but what I will challenge you to do is is pick up the guitar, play it because it really helps with those creative juices that on the right side of the brain. Um, I did stand up for the first time in ten years earlier this year, and it helped me see some things in a very different perspective it also helped you know fuel up those those juices and got back into the style of uh, you talking about creative writing uh what i've learned from writing stand-up comedy because it's very different than improv it's very precise writing it's getting rid of all of a lot of excess words which if we think about it writing stand-up and writing a corporate memo are a lot alike yeah brevity yeah, you can say a lot more with a lot fewer words. Yeah, that, that's been that's been a, a a fun venture. And whenever I get the opportunity that I have time, I, I still I, I still try to write as uh, try to write, not successful all the time, but I try to write uh, every day. And when I have some free time in my schedule, I'll just pop into a club and uh, see if I can do uh, you know five minutes. But I will be transparent. It's been over a month or so since the last time because. It's, it's we're out of we're out of tax season now we're going into cpe season <laughs> yeah <laughs> that'd be it'd be fun to see some of that like if you've recorded any of it to share some video of you doing stand-up i think that would be that would be a lot of fun i do have a video that, that i did uh from february of this year out on my youtube channel if you go to my youtube channel, the accidental accountant you can look for um players club I did about eight and a half minutes of stand-up uh, for a, a colleague of mine who belongs to a theater club in Detroit. And I came up and he wanted me to do some there and, and close the show. And that was a lot of fun. It, it was it was nerve-wracking. It was, you know, it, 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 but it also, you know, I teach a lot of public speaking courses and, and presentation courses. And I know audiences look at me going, ah, you do this, you're professional, you don't get nervous. And I always tell them I do, but I've done it for so long. But when I started doing stand-up again, I got petrified. I got, I got terrified. I, I literally had to exercise the yes and muscle almost a minute just so I wouldn't back down from it. And it was amazing. But I, I, I took that and went, now I have a better understanding of what someone is getting ready to do a corporate speech or speak in a board meeting or whatever. So I share those, what I learned from doing stand-up recently with them to say, yeah, I, I really get it. But when some of the excuses I was making were pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I used to I used to get sick before every show, and we played this band I was in 
late nineties, we played, you know, two, three, four times a month. And the, the funny thing, it was in college, I sang in cover bands and I never got nervous. But once I started playing guitar, because it wasn't something I was good at, it made me sick to my stomach. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of people that, that the, the nerves get to them so bad. I, I did not get sick, but I, I did something that I, I tell my audience to do. Alcohol does not cure the nerves. No, this makes you worse. Actually, it does make you worse. It, it makes you a lot worse. But um, I, I know your time is short that, that, that you need to get. Uh, I just want to say thank you very much. I greatly appreciate you taking time. I enjoyed this conversation. I've learned some interesting things about you that I, I didn't know in the past. And actually, I will be down in North Carolina uh, November 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Uh, I believe I'm in the same general area that you are, and I'll let you know when I'm there, and we'll get together. That sounds great. Good. Well, thanks again for having uh, being part of the show, and um, we're out. Thanks. Bye, Pete. Now, that was a fun and insightful interview with Brett. There were a number of references to the principles of improvisation in this review. As a recap, Brett started with the AICPA as Director of Channel Management and Development, which was a brand new role at the Institute. So he started developing relationships with current partners like state CPA societies and accounting firms in order to build the trust between all parties. Think about the word trust. Who do you do business with? People you trust or people you don't trust? The answer is quite obvious. Brett mentioned that in his new role, he was given flexibility in the way that he ran his business and failure was an option, which I thought was one of the key points in the interview. Being in a new role and in a new line of business for the AICPA, they allowed Brett to take risks to grow the business, knowing that some of these risks would fail. As he stated, there were a lot of failures and by publicly composting those failures lets everyone see that it's okay. When you fail, you learn and you grow from that failure. This is just a sample of the number of references that Brett used to describe his role at the AICPA that involve yes and and the principles of improvisation. If you've liked this episode, please go to iTunes and write a review on my podcast. By writing a review helps promote the podcast to a larger audience. And remember to sign up for the Yes and Challenge on my website at petermargaritas.com. And remember, as a little extra incentive to sign up for the Yes and Challenge, anyone who signs up from Monday, August 22nd through the 28th will receive an email from me containing a PDF version of my book, Improv is No Joke, for free. Thank you again for taking time to listen to this podcast. In episode 13, I interviewed Jack Park who is an accomplished author, a national presenter, a corporate advisor, and a successful football radio commentator. If you're an Ohio State football fan, or even a fan of college football, this is an episode not to miss. So until next time, use Yes And, take risks, and compost your failures. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.